Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And I've been thinking lately about Noah. And I'd like to use this episode to talk about him. There was a song that children used to sing in Bible classes when I was working in Louisville called Good Old Noah. And it was sung to the tune of Old MacDonald Had a Farm. The song begins with the words, Good old Noah built the ark like God told him to. Now I know that that's just a children's song, but as Jesus quoted from the book of Psalms in Matthew chapter 21 and verse 16, out of the mouths of infants and nursing babes you have prepared praise for yourself, to say good old Noah built the ark like God told him to is to say a whole lot. I want to take the time to read all of Genesis chapter 6. And then we'll talk about the remarkable man of God, Noah. The chapter reads as follows. Now it came about when men began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be one hundred and twenty years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. The Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. God looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Then God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I am about to destroy them with the earth. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms, and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you shall make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark, and finish it to a cubit from the top, and set the door of the ark in the side of it. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. Behold, I, even I, am bringing the flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall perish. 
but I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every kind into the ark. To keep them alive with you, they shall be male and female. Of the birds after their kind, and of animals after their kind. Of every creeping thing of the ground after its kind, two of every kind will you come to keep you them alive. As for you, take for yourself some of all food which is edible, and gather it to yourself, and it shall be for food for you and for them. Thus Noah did, according to all that God had commanded him, so he did. I want us to consider in this episode that good old Noah built the ark, despite living in what was a most wicked world. It was a world based on sensuality. Verse 2 tells us that spouses were chosen for the most superficial of reasons, physical beauty. He lived in a brutal world. In verse 4 we read about the Nephilim, people known as bullies and tyrants. Verse 11 tells us that the world was corrupt and filled with violence. Verse 5 says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. It seems clear that man had become a master of perversion, taking things that were good, beautiful, and wholesome, and twisting them into vile and ugly things. It was so bad that verse 6 says, The Lord was sorry that he had made man on earth, and he was grieved in his heart. In the midst of this corruption, in the midst of this perversity, stood Noah. He walked with God, obeying his commands and refusing to become as his neighbors, refusing to be a product of his environment for the very thoughts of the people among whom he he lived were only evil continually. I understand that upbringing, surroundings, and general environment all contribute to what a person becomes. But all of those things together cannot be used as an excuse for sin. Our Lord called Satan the prince of this world in John 14 and verse 30. And what that means is that each of us is going to have to rise above his or her environment if we are to serve God. Yes, some are going to have further to rise than others. There are certainly those who have circumstances that are much more difficult. But nobody lives in a world more wicked than the world of Noah's day. Or for that matter, consider the world of Lot's time and the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. There are more than ten righteous people in the city this morning, when ten such people could not be found in the entire population of those two cities of the plain. Or think about the first century world that Paul describes in Romans 1. Noah did what God told him to do despite living in a wicked world. Can't we do the same? As faithful Christians, we do not have to dress like the world. As faithful Christians, we do not have to talk like the world. We do not have to partake in their ungodly entertainment. As faithful Christians, we don't have to be influenced by their ungodly ways. We don't have to lie, gossip, or hate like the world does. We can walk with God and build the ark, so to speak, by doing all that God has commanded us, just like Noah. Noah built the ark despite any questions he might have had about what God was doing. Just take a moment and put yourself in Noah's place. What questions might have run through your mind when God announced to you the impending flood? Would God really destroy his creation? Would he really do such a thing? 
What about the sincere people who were simply misguided, products of their wicked environment? What about the children? How could God bring a flood? Remember, my friends, it is possible that there had been no rain upon the earth before this event. The earth was watered by a mist rising from the ground. And besides all of that, what evidence was there, apart from what he said, that God would destroy the world? There was no noticeable change. For 120 years, everything looked the same right up to the day of the flood beginning. Indeed, Jesus used that reality to compare it with the second coming in Matthew chapter 24, verses 37 through 44. There we find, for the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days which were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, they were marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Then there shall be two men in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. Therefore be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason you be ready too. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. I don't know if such questions occurred to Noah or not. If they did, I know that he was operating on faith. Hebrews 11 and verse 7 tells us, By faith Noah, being warned by God about things that not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. I do know for certain that a whole lot of people today wrestle with questions just like those. Will God really do what he said he would do? And oftentimes they allow the questions for which they feel they have no good answers, reasoning as they are from man's standpoint, not God's. They allow them to keep them from simply doing what God tells us to do. When all was said and done, Noah had only two choices. He could either take God at his word and obey him, or he could choose to ignore what God said. Those are the exact same choices we have today. Noah obeyed. Are we all obeying? Another thing I want to mention about Noah. He built that ark in spite of the enormity of the task. The ark was massive. The prospect of building any kind of vessel that would float for a year would be an enormous task. But then consider its dimensions. Do you think that the local lumber yard had a good supply of pre-cut gopher framing and other essential ark building supplies on hand? God knew the size of the task. Genesis 6-3 seems to indicate that from his decision to destroy the world by flood and the announcement thereof to Noah, God gave him 120 years to prepare the ark. 1 Peter 3 verse 20 shows us that it was a matter of God giving Noah the necessary time. It says, who once were disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through the water. It is so much easier to begin a thing than it is to maintain the same degree of interest in it over the long haul. If Noah was like we so often are, he started the program like a house of fire. Let me ask you over the years. How many visitation programs, evangelistic programs, 
teaching programs have you been part of that started out great and slowly dwindled down to nothing? At any rate, as the weeks and months and years went by, surely not everything went smoothly. Surely this board that Noah worked on for so long didn't fit right, or maybe one that he put in place warped and popped loose. If you've ever built anything of substance, you know that everything doesn't always fit just right and things will go wrong at times. Who gave Noah the motivational speeches and the pep talks? Who picked Noah up when he was down when it just seemed like he wasn't getting anywhere? Remember, Noah was nearly 500 years old when he began this project, 480 if my math is correct, but he finished the job. He completed what he started. How are we at that? finishing the task that God has given us. Good old Noah built the ark despite what had to have been opposition to his preaching. Noah was not only a builder and a father, he was also a preacher of righteousness. In 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5 we read, And did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a preacher of righteousness with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. The Bible does not record specific opposition to his preaching, but I'll tell you something. A person can't truly preach the truth of God's word for 120 days, much less 120 years, without facing some form of opposition. The number of people on the ark proves that Noah's generation chose to reject his preaching. I wonder what the people said as Noah preached God's standard of conduct and warned them of the impending flood and destruction. Seven people joined Noah in the ark, and they were his family. Over a 120-year span, if we were to think of it this way, that averages out to one conversion every 17 years. Today we would call such a preacher of righteousness a failure because that is how we tend to look at things. I remember a particularly slow and difficult time at a congregation with which I was working when a fellow there told me, it's a good thing you don't get paid by commission. Well, separate the conversions by 17 years. Yet Noah saved his entire family, a great accomplishment in such a wicked world. The truth is we can't measure success in preaching by the number of conversions. You measure success in preaching by the preaching. In Ezekiel chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, we find, Then he said to me, Son of man, I am sending you to the sons of Israel, to a rebellious people who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this day. I am sending you to them who are stubborn and obstinate children, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God, As for them, whether they listen or not, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. Finally, Noah built the ark exactly as God said. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 22 says, Thus Noah did. According to all that God had commanded him, so he did. Man probably would have made some changes. Two doors would have made loading easier. Surely pitch inside and out was not attractive. What boat designer in his right mind would call for one window? What about light and ventilation? Noah could have changed any one of these things or a thousand others as simply as doing it. But when he was done altering the plan, he still could have called it God's ark. But would an ark constructed after a different pattern have survived the flood? Just think about it. What element of God's plan for us today has not been tampered with and changed by someone? People have tried to alter God's requirement for salvation. 
They have tampered with the organization of the church, the work of the church, and the worship of the church. They have tampered with God's moral standard, with this plan for the home, and just about any other aspect of God's will you can think of. Then to top it all off, when they are done with their tampering, they still call it God's plan. Good old Noah. God told him what to do, and in spite of everything, he did it. That is all God asks of us. Just do what he says. Let it be said of us that, according to all that God commanded us, we did it. Thanks for listening.